uh, session on the one another's of the church, you're in the right place. Um, if you're not wanting to be here, um, this is your opportunity to, uh, to leave the plane and uh, go find the right plane. <laughs> so <clears throat> in any case, um, so why don't we um, just let a few more folks have a chance to find a seat and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. <clears throat> so why don't we open with a word of prayer? Lord, thank you so much for your church, and thank you for particularly this church that we, we love and that we are so blessed to be a part of and to be part of the body of Christ and uh, to be able to minister to one another in the body. Um, thank you for the opportunity to look at your word this morning and learn more about ministry in the church for all of us, that we might be more effective witness, witnesses for you before an unbelieving world as we would practice the one another's of the church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, just in, by way of introduction, <clears throat> when I was a brand new Christian, um, I was saved at a little tiny Methodist church down in Long Beach, and by God's grace, it was, it was a, a solid church, a good church, and um, I was a very new Christian. I was just learning about the faith. I was even learning about how to be a person at church. How are you supposed to act? What are you supposed to do? You know, how, where are you supposed to go? You know, I really didn't know. So um, I was there at that church for about four or five months, and I was very blessed by uh, people that helped disciple me. But it was time for me to move back to this area. And so um, I came here to this church. I'm not sure if if I walked through that very door, it might be the one next door, um, that very first Sunday, way back when, about 45 years ago. And um, I was warmly welcomed by the people in the college group. Uh, and that made a huge impression on me. And as well, I then went off to second service and heard Pastor John preach. And that was everything that I wanted as a young man in Christ was the Bible. I just wanted to learn the Bible. And so thankful um, for the ministry of this church. This has been my spiritual home for about 45 years. So thankful for Pastor John's ministry and the ministry of this church. Um, Early on, I was kind of like a sponge. I was just taking up everything um, uh, extremely quickly and taking in God's word and seeking to obey Christ and it says in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and disclose myself to him. And being new in the faith, I didn't always know what to do, um, how I was supposed to act and so on. So if this is you, if you're a brand new Christian, um, I'm hoping that you'll um, benefit from this survey of the one and others of the church. And if you've been like me, a Christian for a long time, I hope it'll also be an encouragement to you. I know there are a lot of things in the list that we're going to go through today that I wish uh, and I need to do better at and need, uh, need to grow in as well. We never really arrive until we get to go to heaven. So, so, so what are these things, these so-called one another's? And first of all, I'd like to tell you what they're not. Okay, so what they're not is a list of do's and don'ts, a little checklist 
that you can come to church and say, oh, I did one today and check it off and feel good about yourself and that kind of thing. That is not at all um, what they are. Um, But what they are, they are um, Holy Spirit-enabled characters of Christians that minister to one another in the church. And they're located throughout the entire Bible. Uh, There's even some in the Old Testament. But there's a lot of them in the New Testament. I'm hoping now... After this seminar, as you're reading through the New Testament, you know, you'll, you'll be reading along and go, aha, there's another one another, and take note of it and, uh, and study it further. Um, there's more than 50 of them. Um, today, due to time limitations, this is going to be a little bit of just a flyover. Um, we're just going to be hitting some highlights of different ones, um, and um, we're just going to limit our, 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 um, our talk to some representative ones. So the biggest, most overarching one another ever given to the church that if we did this perfectly, we probably wouldn't need the other ones, and that is um, what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35. I know you're familiar with that. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this isn't an option. It is a commandment that we are to do. And um, the word love one another or the phrase love one another is used three times here. And the word that's used is agape, which is God's love. Um, It's used extensively by New Testament writers. Um, It barely existed in Greek literature. Excuse me. It barely existed in Greek literature prior to that. Um, A friend of mine, um, his name is Chris Mueller. He's a pastor down in the Murrieta area. And he's recently published a couple of books. And in one of those books, I read something that he wrote that I thought um, defined this type of love, the love of God, um, which is self-sacrificial giving. In this way, and he said that agape love is a spirit created desire of the heart for the spiritual good of others, which produces self sacrificial actions on their behalf. So, let me read that one again. Um, It's definitely worth hearing twice. It's a spirit created desire of the heart for the spiritual good of others, which produces self sacrificial actions. On their behalf. So it's not a feeling, it's something that is an action, it's something that we do. So it's the need for active love, active care, and active ministry in the church. So um, this is further um, defined by our pastor, MacArthur, uh, Pastor John, in one of his books, um, which they kind of like us to suggest books for you to read, and this is one that's available on Grace Books International, I checked, and it's called The Master's Plan for the Church. So I would highly recommend this to you. Um, it's a book that Pastor John wrote a while back, and he uses, it really lays out church ministry, and he does refer to the one another's in uh, this book. But the other thing I really like about this book, it's not super new. And so he uses a lot of examples from our church. 
And so you get kind of a flavor for almost like the history of our church by reading it. So um, I, really, I really recommend that book to you. Um, before I read a quote from it, I'm also going to recommend another book for you. Um, this is called 31 Ways to Be a One-Another Christian, Loving Others with the Love of Jesus. It's by Dr. Stuart Scott with S. Andrew Jinn. Looks like that. I got it on Amazon. They delivered it the next day, which was really great. And what it is, it's 31 little Bible studies on different one another's. And so, for instance, chapter 1, it says, Be devoted to one another with brotherly love. It gives you the scripture that that's based on. And then it has like a very short two-paragraph explanation of what it means. And then there's an illustration, and then there's some questions for application. So just like Proverbs has 31 chapters, so you can read one chapter per day if you want to get through the book of Proverbs in the average month, the same thing with this book. Um, I would recommend it to you in the, uh, uh, the section at the beginning where different people give their recommendations for the book. There's a number of people that we know well. Um, Dr. Scott is well-known, uh, biblical counselor, well-known in our ministry here. So I would really recommend that book to you. <clears throat> but getting along... <clears throat> Excuse me. So getting along to the quote from Pastor MacArthur about the one another. He says, A dynamic church will be involved in the lives of its people. Many churches are simply places where people go to watch things happen. But the church cannot sit in isolation. Its members cannot merely come in, sit down, walk out, and say that they are involved in what the church is doing. God has laid tremendous responsibilities at the feet of all Christians to minister to other believers. The New Testament is full of exhortations about ministering our spiritual gifts and responding appropriately to others. We've sometimes heard spokespeople say that America has to get back to church. Sadly, however, America never found out what it was supposed to do when it went to church, so it largely quit attending. Now we want people to come back, but we still are not telling them what to do when they get to church. Why do we go to church? Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We don't attend church just to listen. We should be encouraging one another to do positive things for the Lord. Every Christian ought to be like a battery that joins with the batteries of other believers and corporately increases the church's output. The New Testament has much to say about the response of believers toward one another. And he goes on to list some of the one another's. And then he said, all of those one another's clearly indicate the responsibilities that Christians have toward each other throughout their lives. The church must be a loving community whose members share with one another. So often we think we've done our job if we've merely gone to a Sunday morning service. We've waltzed into the building, sat down, listened to the sermon, and got back into our cars to go about our personal lives. God help us and be merciful to us if that's our sole understanding of church involvement. So, if we did do the one another's perfectly, we may not need anything else. Um, If we loved truly and perfectly um, the way Christ loves, um, we wouldn't need any others uh, spelled out to us. However, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter, they dealt directly with churches. And sometimes the churches had issues where they weren't loving the way they should love. So um, these were included uh, throughout Scripture. So what are they? 
Um, basically, there's too many to do in an hour, and I will present some um, to kind of whet your appetite on the subject for your further study in the future. And I split them into a few categories, which I hope will be helpful to you. Um, the first category is ones that have to do with service. So we're going to be jumping all over the Bible here. There's, these are not in any particular order other than trying to kind of put them in, in little groups that are easier to remember. But let's start with um, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It says, Minister, ministering humbly to one another. Um, it says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So there is that New Testament concept of putting on and putting off, you know, putting off sin, putting on righteousness. And here we are to put on humility. Um, humility is a modesty of mind. It's a lowliness. It's a not thinking more of ourselves, ourselves than we ought to think. And um, different places in Scripture, um, you know, Jesus talked about um, um, a feast where um, he said, when you go to a feast or, or a get-together, don't take the seat of honor. Sit at the last seat so that the, the host may say, oh, come up here and come up higher, rather than saying, nope, you, you're, you know, you're sitting in the wrong place. You know, sit lower. So that's an illustration of humility. You know, take the last place. Um, also, um, you know, the Lord Jesus being our greatest example of this, um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, to have this way of thinking in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not require, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, by being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he is our, um, our greatest example of humility. And that should, um, as it said in Mark 10, 25, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So um, humility is one of the things that we should have toward one another, not thinking more of ourselves than we ought to think. Um, the second one I have for you is to be kind to one another. So that's in Ephesians 4.22. And instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, graciously forgiving each other, um, just as God in Christ has forgiven us. And basically what this is talking about, this kindness, it's, it's deeds. It's being fit for God's use. It's being ready uh, to be kind to others. And we look at how God is beyond kind to us, um, beyond gracious to us every single day, and that we need to be kind to others. Um, we need to be, um, be doing kind deeds. I don't know about you, but when somebody comes up and either says or does something for me that's completely unexpected and is incredibly kind, it, it's just, um, just an incredible blessing 
and it just makes you want to go out and, and do that for others. And so, you know, these are one another. So it's not just that we're on the receiving end of them. It's we're looking every single time we're around other believers. And even if we're not, you know, there's, there's new in the electronic age. There's texts. There's emails. There's different ways that we can encourage other people and be kind to them. So another one's being kind to them. And it's also kind, pleasant, gracious words uh, to others as well as deeds. So that's being kind. Um, carrying one another's burdens, Galatians 6 2. It says, Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And this is lifting up others by service, prayer, and encouragement and help them th- to carry their heavy load. So when we come to church, a lot of times we'll say to people, and you probably do this too, How are you? And what do people usually tell you? Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. You know, but really, a lot of times they're not fine. Um, Things are really tough at home. There are parents that are having problems with rebellious kids. They may have a sick relative. They may have somebody at home who has Alzheimer's disease that they're caring for day in and day out, you know, which is really a rough thing to do. Uh, maybe they have grief. They've just lost a loved one, and you have just haven't heard about it yet. Um, you know, maybe um, they're having medical issues, uh, financial help, um, just any number of things that can that weighs on people like a heavy load, like a, a huge heavy backpack that they're carrying around that's invisible that you can't necessarily see. And the reason these are one another's is if you don't know what's going on in other people's lives you really can't minister to them. So that's why it's so important to be here and to be a part of each other's lives so that you can know, you know, so that you can um, help to carry those burdens. You can ask people how they're doing. You can bring them a meal. You can babysit their kids. You know, there's any number of different things. You can give them respite and sit with their elderly parent while they get a chance to have a little bit of time to themselves for which they probably don't get much chance to do. So, you know, carrying each other's burdens, you know, that is really, really important. And I can't stress enough that we need to be in each other's lives so we know what's going on so that we can, we can help others. Okay. Um, another one is, in a similar vein, is serving one another. So Galatians 5.13 says, But through love serve one another. And again, this is talking about meaning-pressing needs. Um, in Philippians 2.4, it says, not looking out for our own interest only, but also after the interests of others. And the word here um, for servant, it's, it's really, um, and one of the reasons for the uh, Legacy Standard Bible is um, the word servant, when it's really not servant, it's slave, has been replaced. And the word there is, is slave, which is like doulos. I think you, should, you guys have heard that Greek word before probably many times. And back, it, it kind of illustrates a, um, a situation that would occur back in ancient Greece and Rome, is they had these things that are called trireme boats. Some of you may have heard of that. So they were actually boats, and they didn't have motors. They had slaves with oars. <laughs> so they had three different tiers. There was the, the top row, the middle row, and the bottom row. So the top row was not 
that bad because there was a possibility that you might actually be able to be exposed to some fresh air, maybe a little bit of sunshine. Um, it maybe wasn't quite as hot, and, um, and the smell maybe wasn't so bad. And then you got to the middle row, which was a little bit worse, but the worst was to be the bottom row, the third row galley slave. And it was dank, it was dark, it was humid, it was smelly, um, it was very unpleasant, and you were working really hard. So that's kind of the idea of being a doulos, is to be a third-row galley slave. Isn't that, isn't that neat to know? <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, to be an under-rower. And um, basically, um, that's what we are to be to one another, is, is to serve one another. And in whatever means that is, and sometimes that isn't that pleasant. Um, you know, it might mean um, doing something that is physically taxing, unpleasant, and, and so on, but doing it with joy in your heart. Um, I just just brought to mind, I wasn't, didn't really think of this to say this, but it just came to me, but there was a, um, a, um, a monk named Brother Lawrence that wrote a little pamphlet many years ago. He worked in a, um, in a monastery, and he was in charge of washing pots, and that's all he did. And, you know, that's not always, you know, there's a lot of grease, there's a lot of grime. Um, it's not always that pleasant. But he, he chose to clean those pots as if the next meal that was going to be served from those pots and those dishes was going to be to Jesus himself. And so that was his attitude. So he always was rejoicing in, in every task uh, because he knew he was serving Christ. And that's kind of the attitude that we need to have, too. Okay, another one is 1 Corinthians 12.25 is caring for one another. And um, basically that means we are members um, to have the same care for one another, members of the church. So to, this is to take thought of, to seek to promote others' interests, and to meet pressing needs, so caring for one another. Um, just like in, in Acts chapter 4, the early church, um, they brought um, things to the apostles' feet to distribute to others as any had, any had need. And so, um, so that's, that's really um, caring for one another. It's meeting pressing needs, very similar to some of the other ones we've already talked about. And so these are, these are kind of the service-oriented one another's. And the next group I'm going to um, talk to you about, it's what I'm calling interpersonal. So these are kind of more attitudinal things that we have in, um, in uh, dealing with each other in the church. So the next one is Mark 9.50. It says, um, Jesus said that, um, that we should be at peace with one another. Um, Jesus in the Beatitudes, you know, he says that blessed are the peacemakers. So it's cultivating harmony avoiding disputes, arguments, and grudges. Um, the, world, the, the church should be an oasis of peace. Um, when we come here, we're not holding grudges, we're not judging others, um, we're not um, arguing, but we're to be at peace. Um, this is not like the world where you're seeking to get ahead, you're seeking to be number one, you're seeking to put down others in order to, in, in order to elevate yourself in your um, relationships with others, that is not the way that we are to be. So it's, we're to be at peace, um, not having strife. 
Um, another one of these is be joined to one another, which is Romans 12.5. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he likes to use the human body as an illustration often of the inner relationship that believers have with one another. He uses this extensively of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. And it's something that I can totally relate to, um, you know, being a semi-retired medical doctor, is whenever you talk about the body, it totally makes sense to me because I spent a lot of years learning about how it works when it's right and how it works when it's wrong, um, which we call disease. So... As far as being joined to one another, it's the concept that we are all interrelated to each other in the church. So when you're not here, you're missed. You're not here to have that conversation with someone. Um, And I'm not saying that there's never a reason that you would miss church. If you're sick or you're on vacation or different things, you would. But in general, if you're not here to minister to other people, you're going to be missed. You know, your spiritual gifts aren't there to be on display and to be utilized um, by the Holy Spirit, as well as, you know, doing these one another's. And, you know, there's big things that are absent that we really notice. So if you don't have a heart, or it's not working properly, you're not pumping your blood properly, and there's going to be definite manifestations of that. If your kidneys aren't working properly, you're going to build up fluid in your body and toxins, so there's going to be big problems. If you're liver isn't there, Um, again, detoxifying different things, producing proteins, um, a lot of things, blood clotting factors, all those things won't be there. But sometimes it gets down to the very smallest little thing can be off, and it affects the whole body. Um, uh, There's a couple that I know here at the church who had a, a daughter a few years ago who has a genetic disease. And in this disease, one of the components of the organelles of her cells, so it's not a big heart, it's a little cell, all her little cells in her body lack an enzyme and lack the ability of her mitochondria to produce energy. And this has a lot of of negative manifestations on her as far as her development, her muscle strength, you know, just a lot of different things. And thankfully... um, Not every case of this is as severe as it could be. Some of them aren't quite as severe, but it's quite a shock to be told um, a month or two after your child is born that they may not live very long. And yet, all it is is one little tiny microscopic part of one of her cells is what's affecting her whole body. And that just using that as an illustration for us that even if you think you just set up chairs or whatever little thing you do, um, it's all important. It all matters to the Lord, and it's all service to him. And so it's really important that we, to realize that we're um, joined to one another. So um, another one is, the next one is, be devoted to one another um, and honor one another. So those are both Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 10. So be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. So being devoted um, to one another is we are diligently loyal and care for one another in brotherhood as if the other um, person is part of our family, 
So that's why we say we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what this is talking about. And that, that's actually literally what it means. And I was thinking about being devoted. And one of the things <clears throat> that I was thinking about um, is like a, a new mother. Um, a new mother with a brand new newborn baby is totally, completely all in devoted to that child because they are totally unable to do anything for themselves. They are totally and completely dependent on their mom for everything. For food, they can't even hold their head up without being, you know, they're all floppy, you know, without someone holding their head. Um, Making sure that they get their naps, making sure they're changed, you know, all those things. It's a constant, constant um, uh, need for attention that newborn mothers give their babies. Um, I saw something else that I thought was kind of interesting. Actually, I was watching a nature show on TV last night about uh, the Patagonia uh, region. I think it's a region of Spain. But they were showing how there was a a whale, a large whale um, with their baby. And they're swimming along. And then, uh uh-oh, the bad guys showed up. There was a pod of killer whales. And they wanted to separate the calf from the mom to kill it so they could, could eat it. And the, the mom, and, and their killer whales are brilliantly um, intelligent. And so they were doing this coordinated attack. And the mother's all by, their, by herself trying to fend them off and, and protect the baby. Ultimately, what the mother did was she worked her baby below her and then um, and, and kind of sank, let, let the bubbles out of her lungs and sank and was laying on top of her baby on the bottom of the ocean floor to protect her baby until finally the um, killer whales decided it wasn't worth it and they swam away and, you know, her baby was saved. But, you know, that is definitely uh, being devoted You know, she was willing to have her back facing all those killer whales for whatever they were going to do to her in order to save her baby. And that's kind of how we need to be for each other, you know, that type of devotion. It's not half-hearted. It's not part way. You know, we really are devoted to to each other here at church, and we really care for one another. And the other other part of that verse, it says, giving preference to one another in honor. And that's, um, that's elevating and honoring others over ourselves. And it works, it works great at church. You know, it's, it's we prefer others. We, and that's part of humility. You know, we elevate others and, you know, we um, kind of lower ourselves. I was thinking, though, about where it might not work very well, and that would be maybe the New York subway system at rush hour. So, you know, in order to get on a subway car at that time, you know, you have to sharpen your elbows and you have to push and shove and try to get on. Otherwise, you're going to be left, you know, if you're too nice, you're going to be left on the subway platform, you know, for a really long time. You know, multiple trains will go by. But, yeah, it really wouldn't work well because if, you know, the doors open and everybody was preferring each other, they'd say, after you. No, after you. And then nobody would ever get on the train, so that would not probably work too well. But it works really great in the church. So preferring one another, not only being devoted, but preferring one another. Another one is being of the same mind toward one another, which is Romans 12, 15, and 16. It says to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep by being of the same mind toward one another. 
not being haughty in mind, but assembling with the humble. Don't be wise in your own mind. And here um, it says, being the same mind with those that rejoice and those that weep. And I thought that was really great. You know, it's even if we're not the one that's having the trial, and even if we're not the one that is having um, the wonderful whatever is going on, whether it be uh, celebrating a wedding or um, the successes, somebody gets a, an, a, a promotion at work or somebody graduates from college or whatever, you know, <clears throat> we can um, completely be of the same mind. We can rejoice with those people. Um, there, there is kind of a negative connotation that's not, that can be seen too, and that is jealousy, which is kind of the opposite of what we need to be doing here. Um, jealousy has two fa- facets to it. It's um, wanting what the other person have has, and something that's even worse, it's not wanting them to have it. That's even more evil. So, um, But being of the same mind toward another, when somebody's weeping, we weep with them. When someone's rejoicing, we rejoice with them. And that's and again, that requires that we know what's going on in their lives so that we can do that. Um, so being of the same mind with one another in that way. And another one, Romans fifteen seven, uh, accepting one another. So this says, therefore, accept one another just as Christ has accepted us to the glory of God. And accepting, um, we accept one another in the church when someone knows and loves Christ, they are basically part of our family, and we completely accept them. No matter what their background, no matter who they are, we accept them. Um, like in James um, chapter 2, verse 1, we don't show partiality or a spirit of personal favoritism. We don't um, lift up one above another. We accept everybody. And basically what this means is to take unto oneself. So it's almost like, you're taking them into your family. You're adopting them. Just how Christ has adopted them into his family, which is our family, we're adopting them as well as part of ours. So accepting one another. This is really um, a crucial uh, component of a healthy church. Um, Romans sixteen sixteen says, to greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, all the churches of Christ greet you. And basically what this word greeting, it means to draw to oneself. So to me, it's kind of the idea of, you know, when you see somebody you haven't seen in a while, or even if you have, and you have that kind of relationship with them, you throw your arms open wide in order to give them a big bear hug, right? And that's kind of the idea of taking to um, oneself and drawing them close. And, you know, that's why it was kind of interesting going through um, the COVID um, uh, COVID pandemic here at Grace Church is that they wanted us to do a number of different things like sing with masks on and, you know, not hug each other and stuff like that. And um, it really, really wasn't going to go over very well, I think, here. So, um, yeah, we, we need to, uh, you know, greet each other warmly, and that's part of it. So it's to receive joyfully, welcome warmly um, in a sanctified way. <clears throat> Back in, in Paul's day, um, they when they greet each other in the Middle Eastern culture, you'd kiss twice, you know, on each cheek, and that's kind of what he's talking about here. But um, yeah, greeting each other with a warm greeting is really, you know, how we would apply it. 
Okay, another one, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. it says we should wait for one another. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And this is talking to the, speaking to the Corinthians. And as you know, 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul had to write to the Corinthians. Um, he spent about 18 months there um, establishing a church, appointing elders, teaching them uh, day in and day out. And um, despite that, um, ancient Corinth, the city, was kind of like the Las Vegas of its day. Um, there was a lot of money. There was a lot of trade going through there. There, were, there was a lot of immorality. There was a lot of materialism. Uh, there was a lot of people sinning. And unfortunately, the church was somewhat, um, they were somewhat influenced by that. And so there were things like sexual immorality that they were doing. Um, they were um, um, doing, um, they were suing each other. You know, there's all kinds of problems that Paul had to correct them on. But one of the things he had to correct them on was also how they were celebrating the Lord's table, which is what this is all about, um, is this waiting for one another. So what was going on was people were going to the love feast for the Lord's Supper and the first people that got there were like eating everything. And so there was nothing for everybody else that came later. And so Paul rebuked them in that and he said, look, wait for one another. You can have your dinner at home and then come, here, come to the church so that you will be loving others by having everyone getting to participate and partake in the Lord's Supper. So they weren't being differential. They weren't honoring others. They weren't showing love. Um, they were showing pride and selfishness. And the principle is being here really is being in waiting for one another in that context is being other-minded, being concerned for other, concerned for others. So that's, that's what that one's about. I hope this morning at the Lord's table, there will be plenty for everyone here at Grace Church when you guys go second hour. Um, Okay, another, another um, one of these uh, interrelationship um, type of one another's is showing hospitality to one another, 1 Peter 4, 9. And it's kind of the idea of open home, open heart. Um, showing hospita- hospitality, it's, it's a, a qualification for elders. So um, both the elder and his wife need to show hospitality. So that's important and, and deacons as well. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about this, uh, it made me think back quite a ways to somebody that I used to know about, and some of the older people in the room will remember this person, but um, there was a singer in the late 70s, or uh, I guess the late 70s, maybe early 80s, his name was Keith Green, and he was kind of working his way up the um, hierarchy of the music industry in Los Angeles. He was a great uh, songwriter and he was a performer and he was a producer of records and he got wonderfully saved. He was, a, uh, you know, he's a Hebrew Christian. He was from a Jewish background. And when he was saved, everything changed. And he started writing um, um, music and performing music and recording music. Um, so he would... Um, he had several albums that were, you know, kind of Christian bestsellers. 
He would travel and he would share the gospel through his, through his music all over America. And as time went on, he, he, he and his wife um, started a ministry in Texas where people could go and there was intense discipleship and teaching and, and it was almost kind of like a Christian kind of hippie commune type of thing almost. Um, unfortunately, his life ended really early. Um, he he, he and, and some of his family members were on a, uh, a little local trip on a, a small Cessna airplane, which was overloaded with baggage. It was too heavy. They didn't clear the uh, electrical wires at the end of the runway, and they tragically, he was, he was killed. But all that to say, um, one of the things with this commune thing is they used to take in anybody. You know, they didn't care who you were, they would take you in. And I remember hearing, reading about him, and he was saying, yeah, you know, our silverware used to get stolen all the time, but, but it was worth it because, you know, we're, we're ministering for the Lord. So, you know, it's kind of that, um, that hospitality. He was not willing to, you know, he, he wasn't even careful who he brought into his home. You know, he didn't care. And, uh, you know, buying new silverware was kind of a small price for uh, loving others and, and uh, ministering, uh, ministering to them. Um, so another, another one is being subject to one another, Ephesians 5.21. And being subject to one another in the fear of Christ, um, being subject means to subordinate or get under. Um, it's kind of that idea of um, um, the idea of doulos being an under rower, you know, it's getting under under others as a servant. And there's a lot of opportunities in the church um, to submit to others. You know, we need to submit to God and we need to submit to Christ. We need to submit to elders. If you're a child, it's your parents. If you work, it's your employers. Um, it's, it's authorities that are over us and so on. Um, and, you know, if we can't submit to those that we can see, you know, how, how are we able to submit to God that we can't? So there's great opportunity for us to, um, it's, it's kind of that showing preference to one another as well. You know, it's like we are, we're preferring over others over ourselves. And, um, and when there is a need to be submissive, you know, we, we do. Okay, another one is bearing with one another. Colossians 3.13, it says, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. And sometimes in the church, there are people, and I'm just being transparent with you here, <clears throat> they're kind of not our cup of tea personality-wise, right? I mean, they're not, if you could pick out this person as your friend out in, out in the rest of the world, this, they might not be someone you'd gravitate toward. But because there are brothers and sisters in Christ, um, we need to be patient. Um, we need to um, be um, long-suffering. We need to um, kind of endure patiently um, people that kind of their personality isn't quite exactly our cup of tea. So... Um, just realizing that Christ patiently endures our repeated sin, our immaturity, our flops, our failures, and he's always forgiving us and restoring fellowship as we confess our sins to him. So we need to um, be patient with others, bear with others. Um, Charles Spurgeon had kind of a comical take on this concept. He said, all good people are not equally good. There are some in the world whom we hope to meet in heaven 
with whom fellowship is difficult. If they were on the other side of the Atlantic, we might love them better than when we see much of them. (laughs) So, you know, some people kind of push our buttons. Some people push Spurgeon's button, but, um, but we need to bear patiently with them. So that's really important. Um, And so lastly, um, we're going to talk about what I'm calling exhortations. Um, These are things that we might need to do to help a brother or sister um, who may be becoming a little wayward. It's kind of correcting them. It's course correcting them, getting them back um, the the way things should be for them and shepherding them away from sin and, um, and error. <clears throat> so the first one is kind of the granddaddy of them all. Um, it's uh, Colossians 3.16. It says, teaching and admonishing one another. So, so let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. So the first thing, if you are going to um, counsel or admonish someone, is first of all, um, you need to um, know the Bible. That's really important. You know, you don't want it to be your opinion. You want it to be God's word. And it it says here to be admonishing with all wisdom. And part of wisdom is understanding how you should um, bring up the subject and how to negotiate and shepherd that person. So it's, it's kind of, it, it's, you really have to know the person in order to know how to kind of reach them. So that's really important. Um, and it needs to be, and then it says, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. It doesn't say um, <clears throat> stridently, um, you know, getting in somebody's face and yelling at them. You know, it's when we, when we correct somebody, it's with uh, all wisdom and it's um, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's graciously, it's kindly, um, but it's sometimes a little bit firmly, um, but not lording it over or judging someone. Um, we want to do, we first need to get the log out of our own eye, as Jesus said, so that we can see the speck that is in somebody else's eye. And it's not being condescending. It's not being holier than thou. Um, and it's a two-way street. So not only do you provide that, but you need to, what? Receive that, right? So um, you need to not be defensive when somebody comes to you. Um, when they see something in your life that they, they think that, you know, might be something that you could use some growth in. So don't be defensive, but uh, receive it um, graciously on the, other, on the other side yourself. <clears throat> okay, the next one is um, comfort one another and build up one another. So um, that is from 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, therefore, comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. And the context of this is the Thessalonians, um, the the theme of the book of Thessalonians is work while you wait. Because the Thessalonians really, uh, they loved hearing about Christ's return so much that they quit all their jobs and just sat around kind of doing nothing, just looking up in the sky, waiting for Jesus to return. 
And so, um, you know, basically, um, although that was important um, to, to be, be aware of that, and it is something that being uh, in the context of Jesus' imminent return, um, that's something that we do comfort one another with because we know no matter how hard it gets, we know that someday he's going to make it right and he's going to be returning. So we comfort with each other with those words, but we also build up and encourage in spiritual strength. Um, just like a, we start a building with a foundation, um, we need to complete the project, and that's that building up. So that's why we need to strengthen one another. We need to... Um, apply the word to one another so that we will um, be strong in faith and, uh, and ready um, for Christ's return. <clears throat> like it says in Philippians 3.14, um, Paul said, I press on toward the upward goal of God in Christ Jesus. So it's that pressing on, um, that um, building up and helping each other um, to be complete in Christ, as it says. And uh, that's the, also the uh, theme of the book of Colossians is be complete so that we would be complete in Christ. Okay, this is, this is an interesting one. Um, it's jolting one another into action. Um, this is one that Pastor John um, quoted in his, the, the, um, the excerpt that I read for you. It's in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. It says, let us stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And the word stimulate is, um, it's a medical word. Um, it's... Um, Paroxysmos, which we're us in medicine, we get the um, the term a paroxysm. So um, it's a fancy medical name for. Let's say you get a bad cough, and you get this tickle in your throat that just won't go away, and you start coughing, and you start coughing hard, and you just can't stop coughing. And doctors call that having a paroxysm. You're just kind of sitting there, you're fine, and all of a sudden, you know, you just start coughing like crazy. And the idea here is um, that we would stimulate each other to love and good deeds. So it's not really that gentle a term. Um, It speaks of the constant need to be pushing one another to love and service and spurring on to faithfulness and love and good deeds. Um, It made me think about in the beef industry, um, cows sometimes can be very stubborn. And sometimes they need to move a cow from point A to point B, and sometimes they don't want to move. So they have this little instrument. It's called a cattle prod. I think you guys may have heard what that is. But it's a a stick that's got a battery in it, and it gives an electric jolt when they push the button. And so when the cow is just sitting there and saying, you can't make me move, um, what the the wranglers will do is they kind of touch that to their flank and hit the button, and they get a, whoa, they get this this, uh, shock, and that makes them them go. And so that's kind of the idea I have of this. It's kind of like, you know, we do need to exhort each other um, to continue on in love and good deeds, which is part of the reason for this... uh, this seminar today, so that we would learn more about the one another, so that we would be uh, loving each other and having good deeds to each other more and more. Okay, just a few more. Um, one is uh, James 5.16. This is important. Uh, this is confessing our sins to one another. So therefore, confess your sins to one another, it says in James 5.16. So <clears throat> accountability in the faith, one to another, is an important concept. Um, it's finding somebody that you can trust 
Um, and if we have a particularly besetting sin that we're having trouble forsaking, um, not only do we confess it to God, but it's also good to let somebody else know about it so that they're going to be asking us how we're doing at it, um, which then tends to stimulate us to love and good deeds um, to maybe not do that sin anymore. So that's a really good thing to have somebody that's your accountability partner, that's mutual, um, that you hold each other accountable um, to um, refrain you know, from sins or um, to do other spiritual disciplines. Like, you know, I want to read through the New Testament in the next six months. You know, will you keep me accountable to make sure I'm on a schedule to do that? You know, things of that nature. So it's not just a negative. It's also a real positive thing too. Um, I was really thankful um, when I first, I told you how I walked through the doors here at the back of the, the gym, uh, tw- you know, 45 years ago. Um, when they kind of found, I went to a Bible study, and when they found out what a new Christian I was, one of the guys that was in seminary took me under his wing. And he was that guy for me. And I'll always be grateful to him for doing that for me. Uh, it really helped me to, to grow um, and to learn about the Christian life and to grow closer to the Lord as a result of that relationship. So the first half of that verse is confessing our sins to one another. The other is praying for one another. And the context is praying for one um, to be healed. But it could be really any, um, you know, any context um, that we should be praying for one another for sure. Um, And that that we would um, not only when there are needs. In fact, um, I have the, the privilege of being a part of elders' prayer every Sunday morning, and we're praying for a lot of you, um, your physical needs, spiritual needs, and a lot of times, you know, we're slowly all falling apart. So more often than not, it's somebody that has a physical need that's facing a surgery, um, facing a hospitalization, is in the hospital, you know, whatever, we're praying for, for the, our church. And that's something we should be doing for one another. <clears throat> okay, another one. Uh, this is a great one. Uh, it's kind of probably where I should have started. First um, John 1, 7 is having fellowship with one another. So, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so that word fellowship, um, I'm sure you know the Greek word for that. It's koinonia. It basically means shared um, experience, shared kind of like family um, experience here at church. Um, We share the confession as far as our belief in Christ and our doctrine, but we also share one-on-one life uh, with each other. Like there's been pretty much the whole um, point of this, this seminar is talking about that. And lastly, um, forgiving one another. So Ephesians 4.32, it says, Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, graciously forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So um, this, this whole thing about forgiveness, as I've mentioned, is linked to being at peace with one another. Um, we, don't wanna, we don't want to um, hold on to Um, wrong suffered, we want to forgive, and we want to forget. (laughs) Um, As Jesus said to Peter, how many times? Seventy times seven. And just remembering how much God has forgiven us, um, which is something that we we could never even begin to imagine how much we owe God for 
forgiving all of our sins. So we, sh- we should be able to forgive others. So in conclusion, um, you know, these are a lot of specifics to focus on. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Now, some of them you're thinking, wow, I, I think I do that. That's great. And there might be some other ones where you're thinking, well, you know, maybe I can grow in this. Um, I'm just going to pray that the Lord will enable me to do a better job of, you know, being patient, um, accepting, loving, you know, whatever it is, kind, etc., forgiving. Um, and, you know, we really, you know, again, this isn't a one-way street. It's a, it's a, it's a give and receive. And really, there's only one reason why we should really care that much about this, and that's that it glorifies God. When we do these things, it brings glory to Christ. When somebody wanders onto our campus um, from the world and sees the love that we have for one another, it's hugely impactful that they think, well, you know, maybe um, this thing about Jesus is true. And so it's time for us to end. No. But anyway, we'll see if this uh, turns off or not. (laughs) It may not. So anyway, I was going to end up where we started reading uh, John 3, or excuse me, John 13, um, 34 and 35. So you can read that for yourself. You are just, we pray again, but you're dismissed. (laughs) Oh, there we go. Okay, everybody, sit down, sit down. We're not done yet. No, I'm kidding. Um, Why don't we just end up with a word of prayer, though, real quick. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word this morning. Thank you for all these dear ones who are here to to learn more about the one another of the church, that we might all be more effective ministers for you. We pray that you would give us a great rest of the day as we um, go to second service and celebrate communion and... Um, celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.